2 Corinthians 1, 1 through 7. Stand when you find it for the reading of God's word. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we, we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Thank you, and you may be seated. All right. Well, <clears throat> at this time we usually just take a minute to pray right where you are and uh, give an opportunity just to take a little bit of time and ask the Lord, talk to the Lord, ask him kind of clear, clear the mind, clear the thoughts, whatever you brought in, kind of put aside and ask God to speak to you today. And we're just going to take a moment right where you are and let's pray and uh, and I'll close this out here in just a second. So let's go ahead and pray. Our Father, we thank you today for just another day. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We're so thankful for it. Thankful, for, thankful for that this is the Lord's day, and we thank you that you've given that to us. And we thank you for your church that that you started, and uh, and we we thank you that uh, here we are. We can assemble as a body, and we're so looking forward to the day today. As Brother Micah said earlier, that you do. You have a message for us. You have a word for us today. And uh, we are looking forward to that. And, and, and we lift up Brother Slate today. We thank you that they're here with us today. And I, I pray for Brother Slate that you give him the power to preach today, the, just the liberty to preach. I pray you give him the just strength of mind and body and, and spirit to be able to preach today. 
And Lord, as your word goes out, it's not going to return void. We know that. And uh, but Lord, it's possible. It's possible that through distractions and through other things that uh, we may not receive what you intended for us to receive today. And so, Father, would you help us today? Would you bind Satan? Would you bind demons? Would you remove distractions this morning? And, Lord, that we might focus on your word with intention. And, uh, Lord, that we might be just ready hearers, but at the end of it all, Lord, ready doers of your word. Would you help us to do that today? Father, we ask you that there may be somebody here today that has never been born again of the Spirit of God. We ask that your Holy Spirit would draw them today and convict them of their sin and let them know and see that they need the Lord Jesus Christ. They may be watching online today and they have the same need. I pray you do that there. And uh, Lord, we're going to look forward to what you do today. We're going to rejoice in it. We're going to thank you for it. We're going to glorify you in it. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Brother Allen's going to come. We're going to have uh, just one more song, I think. Is on there. Yep. Let's stand one more time and you're going and turn and you're going hymnals to page 443. Page 443. We'll sing the first, second, fourth, and fifth verse of that.
It is now. There we go. Keep your Bibles open, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. And if you'll bear with me, I'd like to idle my motor a little bit. That's kind of what you do when you're in a new place, right? You kind of got to get used to the folks and uh, look them eyeball to eyeball for a few minutes. And uh, this has been a new phase of ministry for my wife and I. I was raised in the ministry. I'm a fourth-generation Baptist pastor. And so I've been around it all my life. Pastored my first church when I was about 20 years old. And uh, we grew from five to over 50 in three months, and I'd never been to church that big in my life. So I got mad at the Lord and resigned and joined the Army. And I thought that was a good cure, right? And so I was on the run, headed to Würzburg, Germany, and uh, our, my wife was expecting our second child by then. And uh, so I asked to stay stateside. It was right at the end of Vietnam. I served during peace times right at the end of Vietnam, and and so they told me no. They said, uh, we're not changing any orders now. We're trying to get everybody settled down and, you know, brought home and all of that. And so I said, well, um, that's fine. You know, I joined and raised my hand said, I'll go where you send me, right? And so I said, that's fine. Not a problem. No complaining, preacher. And um, so uh, they, right before I got out of my AIT training, they called me in and they said, uh, we found a slot at Fort Bliss, Texas. Now, you got to understand, I was from Fort Worth. Texas, but I didn't know Fort Bliss was 600 miles from home. You know what I'm saying? I was a kid, just a, just a knothead, and, and I could have gone about anywhere in America and been closer, right? But I said, I'll take it. And so God had a perfect plan. We got there, and uh, we were in church the first Sunday, I believe it was. And by, uh, by the end of the first month of our time there, we had united with uh, Hillcrest Baptist. Uh, Brother Bob Stewart was our preacher. He started the church in 1956, and God turned our life around. And so this, this meeting has been a little special in that uh, our friends, Brother Rodney and Miss Felisa, we met there. And uh, when I left to go pastor after being youth director at Bible College and back on staff there and, and uh, working with Brother Bob, they became youth directors at the same church. So we go way, way back. We were young marriage together. I know we don't look like it now, uh, but we were young marriage together so many years ago. And then to, to get here and meet your preacher this morning, first time face-to-face we got to meet. And uh, what a blessing it is to see what God's doing. I got to look at your blueprints a little bit and see the property across the street. And I love that kind of stuff. I mean, about everywhere I've been, we've been in a building program sooner rather than later. I mean, just, just I enjoy it. I love seeing growth. I love seeing a vision. As a matter of fact, one of my heartbreaks the last uh, 20 years or so is, is I feel that so many come out of school and they lack a vision. And they may be better trained than I am, or they may have this or that, but they lack a vision. They're, they're looking for a paycheck and a salary, and and um, that's not what it's about, is it? It's about serving the Lord, and so I love your vision, and I uh, love meeting your preacher. And then to meet Brother Davison again, and his wife, I didn't get to say her a while ago, her, his wife, I was looking for that, all right? I knew you'd hurt your arm, I just didn't see it, okay, good. There you, oh, you've been fiddling around too much, well... She had the same arm about three years ago broken and uh, fell out of the shower. That, that didn't sound kind of like that's really not how it was, but it is. We got home from a trip, from traveling. She was putting stuff away, turned to step out, and there she went. We got home from a trip traveling to California and back. Oh, my. Wow. She can feel your pain. She can feel your pain. Bless your heart. And so, so good to see them. I didn't have him for class out at Pacific Coast. But I knew of his ministry out there and uh, was so thankful that the Lord had allowed us to go and get some training and then get, get to work. So it's a blessing to be here. And I want to speak to you this morning on the God of all comfort. Life takes its twists and turns, does it not? 
And I thought I would pastor till I died. My grandpa was still pastoring when he passed at 79. He would pastor up to five churches at a time, circuit riding preacher in the early 1900s up to the mid-1900s or so. Still pastoring uh, when he passed. My dad was still pastoring when he passed at 71. And uh, I just thought that's how it would be. Uh, but uh, as a young pastor, I decided I didn't, I didn't want to be that guy that just stayed and ran a church down into the ground. And I was getting there. My health had fell uh, back in 21 years ago this month. I was in the hospital for 78 days. I was on life support for 17 days. And as I was coming out of that, and I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't supposed to see 48 years. Next month will be, September will be 69 years. So I praise the Lord for that. But as I was coming out of that, I ended up resigning the ministry there and took about a year hiatus down in Fort Worth area. And a good pastor friend of mine put me on staff. I was the worst staff member he ever had, brother. I, was, I wasn't worth much, but he put me on staff and took care of me and helped us out there in a very difficult time. And um, so, so what a blessing that was. And I asked the Lord to allow me to pastor until I was 65. There's no magic number in that, and, and there were no retirement plans or whatever. I just asked the Lord. I wanted to live a while and pastor. And I turned 65 in um, September, four years ago, whatever year that would be, 19, and uh, talked to the men about my retirement the next month. And uh, up before that time, I ended up on a walker. I was on a scooter. Uh, I was headed for back surgery. I had some kidney failure going on, had some heart issues going on. I was preaching most of the time from a stool, and um, my folks were so gracious. And they say they wanted me to stay. That's a good time to leave. And, uh, and so my daughter's still in that church. She played for us today, and I appreciate her for that. And, um, but but Lord led us up here. We retired here at Branson. My son pastors in Tulsa, uh, well, north of Tulsa, Owasso area. And um, I thought about moving there, but I was afraid I'd be a problem somewhere, preacher. I'm just being honest with you. I've got enough of my preacher in me. I didn't think I would be. I thought I could be gracious, kind, and all that. But there's some of my dad in me. <laughs> and if dad ever comes out, <laughs> you've got one just like him. <laughs> so if dad ever comes out, everybody's in trouble. So I try to keep dad kind of suppressed, you know. I saw dad one time. was in a business meeting. I was just a kid. And a couple of guys, I can remember their names. I'll not give them, but a couple of guys were giving him a hard time. And Dad was a, a floor bouncer in the honky-tonks before he got saved and a boxer in the Army. Dad was a tough dude, you know. And so Dad looked at those guys and says, if you men will step right outside that door, I'll come out there and we'll settle this situation and I'll come back in and finish this business meeting. <laughs> and uh, that's just how it was. And uh, so, I, so, so I'm not there. And then... Uh, Eleven years ago, we lost a daughter. Our first child, uh, she and I graduated together in California. She graduated kindergarten. I graduated from PC, and God took her home. Her husband was on my staff. And so since that time, God's led me to preach a lot of sermons along the direction of this morning. I've preached a lot of sermons on comfort, consolation, uh, God meeting our needs. Um, we lost contact with four grandkids for 10 years that has been fully restored this year. To God be the glory for that. And so I preach a number of sermons on reconciliation and waiting on the Lord and patience and what have you. And God's given us 14 grandkids now. So I've asked him to give me a couple more years to enjoy them. And he's restored my health a good bit. And I praise the Lord for that. So enough of that stuff. Uh, under divine inspiration, the Apostle Paul 
In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, he wrote these words. He said, let all things, keep your Bible open there, 2 Corinthians. That's our text. We'll be right there. Let all things be done decently and in order. And I believe if we know our Bible, we'd have to agree that our God is a God of order. And when you see chaos and what have you, as we see it in our day, it's pretty evident that God has been removed from the picture so often. Uh, order is, according to Webster's 1828, regular disposition or methodical arrangement of things. And that's our God. He does things in order. You know, our sin is not always some wicked, vile deed. And especially for us who are second, third, fourth generation Christians, we may not have lived that life, if you would, that someone else did. Uh, but our sin's not always a matter of some wicked, vile deed. But oftentimes, our sin is doing something that may be good but getting it in the wrong order. We get it out of order, all right? Uh, so, so much of today's false doctrine is false doctrine because it is out of God's order. For instance, baptism is a good thing, but baptism follows salvation. When you get baptism ahead of salvation, it becomes part of salvation. Guess what? It's a good thing that became sin, right? Because it's out of God's order. Uh, church membership, a good thing. But it follows salvation and baptism. God is a God of order. A physical relationship between a man and a woman is a good thing designed by God. But it's after marriage. And when we get that out of order, that good thing that God designed becomes a wicked thing or a sinful thing. And I could go on and on. Uh, having income is not a bad thing, but there's an order. We work. And then God, we're in a society that wants all the handouts, Right. But that's not God's order. God's order is we work, and if we don't work, we don't eat. And then he provides for us. So this morning we have another such illustration in our text. And, and forgive me, I've, I've got um, this large notebook. I, I've, been, I've had good eyes my whole life. In the last year I've kind of been struggling a little bit. And so I was at one of these high doc, you know, high-tech docs, high doctors, not just not optometrists. I can't get all the ologists right nowadays. I've got too many of them. <laughs> But, but one of these high-tech guys, so I'm in there, and I'm telling him, and he says, well, what do you do? And I, I told him, I, I preach, and I said, my notes are in front of me, and I never know the height of the pulpit. And I said, I'm struggling. Some of them he says, well, what size of font do you use? I said, I use size 10. What more does a guy need, right? It's about that big. Right? He says, well, you might consider enlarging your font. And so I decided I'd enlarge the font, but I didn't want to enlarge the page numbers. And so I have a... Uh, I have a notebook now that goes with me, and I've, I've encouraged a couple of pastors to widen your desk, amen, <laughs> and to, to help. I probably wouldn't cooperate with that if I were still pastoring, by the way. But there's a good illustration. Our God is indeed a God of all comfort. But it does not mean that He's at our command. It does not mean that uh, we can live how we want, act how we want, and just call on Him in those deep, dark hours of life. He truly desires to comfort us and to console us as His children, but there's an order. Can I pray with you again before we continue? Heavenly Father, thank You for the comfort, for the peace, for the salvation that You offer us and You give us. Help us this morning to be a help. That's truly our desire. Please bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've already read our text, but I want to highlight two verses once again, if I can. Then we're going to look at all of them again, but, but look at verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and here's our text, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us.
in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. One time during Queen Victoria's reign, she reigned the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland from 1837 to 1901. She heard that the wife of a common laborer had lost her baby. And Queen Victoria, having suffered great pain herself and deep sorrow herself, she felt moved to express a level of condolence, a level of sympathy toward this lady. So she called on that bereaved woman. And that was a pretty big to-do back in that day, like it would be in our day. But she called on her and she spent some time with her. And after she left, the neighbors would ask, she went to the house, they went to the house and they would ask, what, what did the queen say? What were the queen's word to you? And the grieving mother said this, she said, she said nothing. She simply put her hands on my hands and we silently wept together. She simply put her hands, you know, we don't always know what to say in times of grief. We don't always know what to say when others are suffering. Sometimes we just need to stand beside them and put our hands on their hands. And that's what God does for us. I know in some of our issues and losses of life, the year we lost our daughter, within a three or four year period, I preached seven family funerals. Within that, that, that my mom, her mom, sisters of ours, brother-in-laws of ours, etc., Within the same year that we lost our daughter, our priest, or we had within our church five family funerals besides ours, that we had five more of our church family lost family members that year. So sorrow is part, and our text is arguably the greatest passage in the Bible regarding the subject of comfort. Paul uses the word comfort ten times in our text. Ten times in seven verses. The word consolation is actually the, comes from the same word as the word comfort, and it carries with it the same meaning. So I want us to consider Paul's introduction to this discourse on comfort, and he's going to make some statements or observations, if you would. Then he's going to give us some truths that we can apply to our life. So I want you to notice, if you would, first of all, in verse number one, the recipients of comfort. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. So, so the first thing we see is the recipients of comfort. Paul's writing to a local church, a body of born-again, baptized believers, if you would. And so the first thing I think that we see in this passage is that God's comfort is for God's people. Amen. Now, we've gone through things, as I'm sure you have as well, that uh, we will always have the thought, how do lost people deal with this? How do, you know, they have the same sorrows we have. They lose children and spouses and, and parents and, and they lose jobs and they go through trials and darkness. But we have the hand of God as his children and he desires to bring that comfort. So first of all, we see the recipients of comfort is, is God's people. Then he says, all the saints which are in all Achaia. So it's not just that church at Corinth, but he's writing to all the saints in the region, and I believe, hence, it applies to you and I today. The second thing I want you to notice in verse number two is the requirement of grace. He says, grace be to you. Grace be to you. All right, so there's an order we're seeing. First of all, it's God's children experiencing, if you would, the grace of God. We often define grace as favor or goodwill. 
or we define it sometime, or, or even Webster's or Strong's one defines it as the unmerited favor that we have of God. But, but I like, Webster goes a step further and he says this as he defines grace. He says it's the favorable influence of God. It's a favorable influence of God. And if we're going to experience the, the comfort of God in our life, then we've got to allow God to influence us as His child. So comfort comes as we're influenced by God. You see, too often we're influenced by the circumstance. Or we're influenced by the trial or the darkness or whatever it may be in our life. But comfort comes as we're influenced by Almighty God. And, and we'll never understand our afflictions. We'll never understand our sorrows or our losses without the influence of Almighty God on our life. Our simple minds cannot comprehend the purpose of some of the dark hours of life. And as a result, we wrestle sometimes with comfort. But as we allow God to influence us, as we allow God to speak to us through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, through the servants of God who stand and preach, as we allow God to influence, then we can experience His comfort. The third thing we see there in verse number 2 is the resource of peace. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, the order, by the way, is always the same. It's always grace and peace. Always grace and peace. From God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Just about all of Paul's epistles, he starts the letter with grace and peace. It's always that order. There must be something to that. All right, And so there is an order. You need comfort from God today. First, you need to be His child. Secondly, allow God to influence you by His grace and then receive that wonderful resource of peace. And oh, what a resource it is. Our daughter passed on a Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, I preached in my pulpit. Somebody says, well, how in the world do you do that? And I'm telling you, that night we had a record attendance for Wednesday night. The Sunday morning crowd showed up on Sunday night. And one of my old deacons came up while we was having a receiving line there at the end of that service. One of my old deacons came up to me and he says, Brother Slade, he says, you see this crowd? He says, we came here to comfort y'all, but your family has comforted us. Amen. Now, why was that even possible? That was, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, that was not our necessarily intent or purpose at night. We were grieving, we were sorrowful, but the influence of God had already worked in our life and His peace had already come into our heart and that was just passed on. And so there's an order, God's children, influenced by God, experiencing the peace of God. Then notice the fourth thing before we get down to the, to the basic message. And by the way, the message is no longer than the introduction, so you can relax, all right? Uh, number, number four here, the result of praise in verse number three there, blessed be God. There's the result. Now that we know the order, God's people being influenced by God, receiving God's grace and giving, uh, giving praise to Him. Let's look at the moment for the comfort. He says, all right, here it is. Isn't that our goal, by the way, to give praise to God? Well, I could go back to that one particular loss in life, and there's, there's many that most of us could testify to. But um, it was amazing to us to see how God used that over and over and over again, especially that first year. Especially that first year. I, I, was, I never preached out much. I was that guy's out once or twice a year, maybe. That year, God had us scheduled out 19 times. And most of those 
were prior to our daughter ever getting sick. She was only sick for about eight days before she's in heaven. And so most of that time was prior to her ever getting sick. So it's kind of like God knew. You reckon that's possible? Yeah, I think so. And God put us out and we were able to deliver messages like this and try to be a help to folks. Why? Because we all have hurts. We all have sorrows in life. So let me give you some things here about God's comfort in verses 4 through 7. Notice the first thing in verse number 4. He says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. First thing I note here is that God's comfort is available in all our tribulation. I don't have to alter the word, do I? I don't have to explain it. That's pretty simple. His comfort is available to us in all our tribulation. Strong's defines that word tribulation or that phrase as pressure, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, or trouble. And so God's comfort is available to us in all of the trials of life, in all the darkness of life, in all the heartaches of life. Or according to Webster's, it's severe affliction, distresses of life, the vexations of life. And in, in Scripture, it often denotes the troubles and distresses which, which come from persecution. But not all of our trouble and stress comes from persecution, does it? So God's comfort is available to us in all our tribulation. What a joy to be able to stand before folks, and it doesn't matter where I'm at or what state I'm in or what church I'm in, to be able to look at folks and say, hey, you may be going through trials right now, or you may have the darkest day of your life tomorrow, but God's comfort yes. is available Amen. in all our tribulation. And at some point in time, all of us go through trials and sufferings from which we seek comfort and consolation. And no matter the tribulation, no matter the trial, his comfort is available. Listen, all the way through the Old Testament and, and New Testament as well, Job found that comfort, did he not? David found that comfort. The Apostle Paul, of course, speaking here, John on the Isle of Patmos, and over and over and over again, generation after generation, servants of God have found comfort in their times of tribulation and trial. And then I want you to notice there as we continue verse number 4. He says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Now listen, if you miss this phrase, you're missing the purpose of your trouble. You're missing the purpose of your sorrow. I've pastored folks and I've known folks, it's like they have a sorrow, a tragedy in their life. Um, I've got a niece now, I pray for her often. She, she had a tragic accident, oh gosh, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, it's a long time ago. Ran over and killed a guy when she was a young driver. And she still lives with that. And listen, all of us could lock in to a tragedy in our life. If we do that, we miss God's purpose. Because the second thing we see here is God's comfort is not only available in all our tribulation, it's shareable to those who are in any trouble. So God's plan for my life is as I go through trials, as I go through troubles, as I go through sorrows, is to draw from that, gain strength from that, learn from that, and put my hand on somebody else's hand and help them as they go through that trouble. His comfort qualifies us to comfort others. His comfort qualifies us to comfort others. I don't even remember... Yeah, I do remember as a young couple I pastored in Rogers and she had a, gave birth to a preemie baby this past week or two weeks. It's not a week old, is it? Ballpark a week old, okay. 
little girl, the two little boys had this little preemie baby, and I saw a picture this morning of the daddy holding her. She's come off of some of the oxygen stuff, and and she's growing and holding her. And I, I jotted a note down on their on their Facebook page. I said it, it's it's thrilling to me to see how God is preparing you to be used greater in His service. If we just look at our trials in that light, preacher, they'd get rid of some of our complaining. Yeah, he talks about complaining this morning. That'd get rid of some of our whining and carrying on. If we say, wait a minute, God has just given me another degree in my education. God has just increased my faith. God has better qualified me, equipped me to be a help to someone else. I, I remember as a young pastor doing a lot of funerals and what have you. And then 1999 came around and my dad passed away. And mom said, um, son, I want you to preach dad's funeral. Well, mom had always said that she didn't want us preaching dad's funeral. And she told me this. She says, you're dead sure not preaching my funeral. I said, okay, mom. I said, that's fine. It's not like I look forward to doing family funerals. You understand? It's not like that's the thrill of my life. But mom says, you're dead sure not preaching mine. By the way, in 2017, I preached hers at her request. But I said, okay, mom, I'll, I'll preach dad's funeral. And Dad never pastored a large church. I grew up in a church with sometimes less than this, sometimes a few more than that. But he was faithful at that church for 37 years, planted that church and stayed. When he passed, I had to borrow an auditorium that would seat 400. And it was packed to capacity. Why? Because of the lies he had influenced. And my, what a, what a thrill it was. And I remember doing that funeral, hardest funeral I ever did up to that time in life. And after I got through, I got called on to do more funerals and and something hit me. Many times I'd stood at a casket. Someone's daddy was laying there. And I would try to empathize. I wanted to empathize. And I would try to be compassionate. And, and, and I did the best I could. But after I lost my dad, the next time I stood at the head of a casket of a man who was a dad, I want to tell you something, there's something different in my heart. When I put my hand on their hand, there was a different comfort that would pass through, if I can say that without sounding too out there, okay? But God could use me at a different level. Why? Because I'd experienced what they were going through. And then it was a child and a mom and sisters. I was preaching like this a few years back in my own pulpit and I said, I've experienced about every loss that you can ever imagine. And, and, uh, and I talked about some of that. After it was over, one of my men came up to me. He's still there, and he and his wife are about the same stage of life my wife and I are. But he came up to me, he says, Preacher, you've not buried your spouse. And I thought, I don't even want to think about that. I don't even want to think about that. I'm going to need somebody should I go first. And she remains. She's going to need somebody to walk with them and put their hand on them. And oh, what a blessing if somebody who's going through it will be there and be a comfort. God's comfort is shareable to all others who are in any trouble. His comfort enables us to come. Remember Queen Victoria. Oh, I wish I could get that picture in your mind. Preacher, I don't know what to say. I don't want to just put your hand on their hand. Then the third thing I want you to notice, verses 5 through 7. God's comfort is comparable to our own sufferings. And this is the last thing I'll bring out this morning. 
And I jotted this down. You can only experience God's comfort at the level of your sufferings. Now think about that a moment. You can only experience God's comfort at the level of your sufferings. Listen to what he says. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation aboundeth by Christ. So as the sufferings abound, as the sufferings come, the sufferings of Christ and so forth abound, then his consolation abounds. And whether we be afflicted, he says, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. What Paul said, he said, the comfort of God is going to be sufficient at your time of need. Listen, I've experienced comfort in later life that I never experienced in earlier life because the need wasn't there. So your comfort, God's comfort, is, is comparable to our sufferings. Let me, let me illustrate that if I might. I have a certain level of pride and honor simply because I served in the military. I mean, I don't know, years gone by, I wondered why I went in the military. That was not me. I was not the athlete. I was not the warrior. I broke up fights. I wasn't the fighter. I was the biggest guy around, so I was the guy that'd step in in high school, you know. Found out they normally appreciated it. And um, so why I joined the Army, I don't know. But now then when I'm down here at Branson or I'm somewhere, and they say, let's have all the veterans stand. Man, I kind of stand a little taller. I measured over at the nutritionist this week. I'm down about two and a half inches. So I stand as tall as I can. Man, when they play the national anthem, I've got my hand over my heart. This week we were there together at Silver Dollar City, and they marched the soldiers, the, the veterans out there to the flagpole. Some of you have been there and seen that. And they had a salute. I've only saluted twice that I remember since I, since I served my time. Once I saluted a 100-year-old man who was in the hospital at the VA down in Fayetteville. And I took my grandkids in, and they sang to him. He was sitting on the side of his bed, by the way. And he was coherent. He passed away a few months later. But I remember as I walked out, standing as tall as I could, and snapping my salute up and saluting that veteran. Man, I saluted last week when we did that. There's a certain level of pride that comes. But I served with some guys that they went to Vietnam. They pulled the hard duty. They risked their lives. I served in peacetime. I went in. Vietnam was winding down and nothing started while I was in. And So I've got this level of pride. But some of the guys that I served with, they served like this. Then there's others that I knew and served with that didn't come home. I've got two friends that we served with. Well, you didn't. One of them you did. Um, uh, the Mills, Tom and Celeste. Their son didn't come home. He was a Tommy was a lifetime veteran. His son didn't come home from Afghanistan. Man, I pastored in Alamogordo. Leon Lucas, his son didn't come home. They have a different level. Does that make sense? They experienced more than I experienced. I'm glad I served. I'm glad I put on the uniform. But my level of pride, if you would, and, and honor of serving is here somewhere. Theirs is here. 
Maybe in your Christian life, your trials and troubles have been here. I want to tell you something. When God allows deeper trials in your life, your level of comfort is going to rise. It's going to be comparable to your sufferings. I can only experience military pride at the level of my service, and you can only experience God's comfort at the level of your sufferings. Here's how a lot of us pray. Comfort me, Lord, and pay my bills. Comfort me, Lord, and cure my ills. Comfort me, Lord, and remove my fears. Comfort me, Lord, and dry my tears. Comfort me, Lord, and increase my wealth. Comfort me, Lord, and preserve my health. Comfort me, Lord, and plead my cause. Comfort me, Lord, and enlarge my place. Comfort me, Lord, and tell me why. Comfort me, Lord, and set me on high. Comfort me, Lord, and do what I say. Comfort me, Lord, and do it today. The Spirit listened as I uttered my mind. He said not a word as I pleaded and pined. And then He spoke in the language of conviction, saying, Comfort isn't comfort in the absence of affliction. Don't begrudge, don't complain when the trials of life come. Don't get mad at God. I've I've told folks for years, and I've tried to practice it. You decide today what you're going to do when that trial comes three months from now. If you wait till then to make up your mind, you're going to mess up. At least there's a higher risk of it. You decide today what you'll do if you have a wayward child. You decide in advance what you'll do if you lose a child or a spouse or a parent. You decide today what you'll do if you go into the doctor's office and they pronounce you with cancer or diabetes or heart disease or whatever. You decide today. So we ought to as best as we can say, God, let come what may. I want to be faithful. As a young preacher, I struggled some with my dad's ministry and my grandpa's ministry because they had these small congregations. I never thought I'd pastor 100 folks, by the way, because to me that was a massive, that was a mega church in my heart and mind. And so I struggled with it some. When my churches grew a little bit, I struggled with that. One day I was reading the Bible. It'll work wonders for your theology. (laughs) And I found something that says something like this, more it's required and a man that he'd be found faithful. Not that he'd be found pastoring the largest church or having the highest education or being the best scholar. No, no. That a man be found faithful. My grandpa was faithful. My dad was faithful. My mom was faithful. I just want to be faithful. Lord, whatever comes, help me to be faithful. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, suffered greater than any he understands what it is to suffer he understands physical pain he understands the loss of loved ones he understands the betrayal of a friend and through all of that he was comforted by his father at the same level of his suffering And now he has the power to comfort us with that comfort. Listen to me this morning. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, he longs to save you. He longs to be your Savior. 
And if you do know him and you've got a trial right now you're going through, listen to me. He longs to comfort you. He can comfort you. He will comfort you. But you've got to be influenced by him. You've got to experience his grace. You've got to be willing to take the comfort he gives you and use it to help somebody else. Let's stand quietly to our feet. Nobody looking around, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I don't know your pattern. If there's an invitation or not, I'm going to pray, turn it over to our preacher. But I do pray that if God has spoken to your heart and you need to have a talk with him, that you'll do that this morning before you leave. If you need his comfort, I pray that you'll find it this morning before you leave. Heavenly Father, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for their attentiveness. And Lord, I I know that there's some that are hurting. Lord, I hear it over and over and over again. As George Truett said, be kind to everybody because everybody's having a hard time. God, help us to be kind and help us to be comforted and help us to help others. Please bless now these next few moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher. As the instrument plays, however the Lord has spoken to you today, would you respond to him? You're going through some things you don't understand. Maybe you got some help today. God's going to use you in that. What a joy that is. Mm-hmm. We'll just take a few moments here. And respond. We're going to be closing a word of prayer. I'm going to um, bring those Slayton's family and friends out to the front. We're going to allow you to greet them on the way out. And uh, so while we do that, we're going to close in prayer. Brother Davidson, would you, uh, would you close us this morning? In our loving Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this privilege of being in this place.